Hey, everybody. Thanks for showing up to the Successful Mind Podcast. In today's episode, David and I are talking about the power of vulnerability as a business leader. We hope you enjoy and can use some of our little tips and tricks to help grow your business as well. You're listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Went to a fun little music festival over the weekend. I heard. Good time. Hung out with, I guess... I guess they self-describe themselves as hippies. They do? I guess, yeah. It I was thought it was so bluegrass. Fun. It was, a, it was a, a mix of a lot of different types of music. It was bluegrass. It was folk. Um, beautiful, beautiful sounds. Like okay. just really beautiful music. I mean, you know how I feel about music. You feel the same way about music. Yeah. Like just different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. All right. So today let's talk about vulnerability. Okay. Um. I always feel like I have to give a reason why I want to talk about a specific topic, but I think that this is just, this is just one of those things that I don't think you can talk too much about, honestly, um, in terms of running a business and the importance of vulnerability. Um, a long, long time ago, I read a book, I guess it wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, maybe a book by Brene Brown called Dare to Lead. Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. I have it right here with me. And you know, like when, when I do workshops on Leadership vulnerability is a big piece and psychological safety is a big piece. Um, But I don't think a lot of business owners understand just how big of a piece vulnerability is to them, like an essential piece to them growing and scaling a business. Because it's, it's such a key piece in creating the right team that's going to take your business from six figures a year to multiple seven figures a year or low seven figures a year to eight figures a year. The, the culture that you create, um, the environment that you create and who you show up as a leader really determines the outcome of your business. Even if you've got the smartest people giving you strategy and the best coaches giving you, giving you advice, if you don't have the team behind you, it's, it's just going to be a revolving door of people coming in and people leaving and people coming in and people leaving, which then is not only costly, but it slows down your ability to grow. True. Right. I mean, we're hearing, you know, from everyone that, you know, low retention rates are a huge problem. Um, I hear it all the time. You know, team turnover is really expensive, both in time and money. Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, I saw a statistic of how much it costs when, when a single employee turns over and it's, it's in six figures in terms of what it costs you both in, in time and money. So we've been getting a lot of questions about, you know, what do I need to do to, to, to retain my team, to make sure they don't go anywhere else, to, to cultivate an environment that, you know, builds a business rather than people just sitting at desks, checking tasks off a list. 
And it was interesting because I was doing a podcast interview um, with a woman named Abby. She has a great following of female business owners. I think the name of her podcast is Savvy Podcast. So I'll give her a shout out just because it was a really great interview. And the whole topic was on conflict, right? And, and conflict in, in a business. And most people in general are conflict averse. And even the people that don't appear to be conflict averse, that conflict averse, <laughs> their outside like hard coding mm. is just a defense mechanism because they are afraid of conflict, right? And then, then it got me thinking about, well, why are people so conflict averse? I mean, clearly it goes back to childhood. Conflict when you were a kid was never a fun thing. It generally was right. painful. It generally was humiliating. Talking bad to mom and dad. Talking, talking never usually turns out very well, <laughs> no. right? So, so you grow up just learning to avoid conflict. But when you become a business owner, you have to learn to embrace conflict. And, and not just for yourself, but you have to expect that pretty much everybody on your team is also going to be conflict avoidant. Sure. Um, and you can't innovate if everyone's afraid to speak their mind because they're worried about rocking the ship or right. conflict, which then took me down the vulnerability rabbit hole yeah. because underneath it all is vulnerability. So when I say vulnerability, what do you, what do you think? Like what, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Transparency. Transparency. Yeah. Transparency. Well, like what, so there's a transparency, authenticity idea that goes through my mind. In other words, are you being real? Um, and we're, and we're talking about team now. So are you being real with your team? Are you being honest with them from the inside out? Uh, are you, because here's the thing, right? You, you mentioned something that's very interesting. Like what is the value proposition that your employee actually has? Your team member, right? What is most important to them about, for them, when they come to work mm -hmm. for you? And if it's the safety of their own position, you've got a major issue on your hands because they will do whatever is necessary in order to protect that safety. And if they feel that it's not there, they're going to go someplace else right. every time. So very often a person feels things based on a reaction that they're getting between the, the two people, the entities, the business owner, the CEO, whoever, uh, with that person. So when you say vulnerable, are you, are you willing to be open and honest about what's going on with you and how you're doing things and within the communication to that employee. That's what I think. That's what goes through my mind. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Brene in, in her book, Dare to Lead describes it as when you're not vulnerable, you're wearing armor. That's a great, you're, you're like the turtle. <laughs> you're, you're like, you're self-protecting. Yeah. You're not letting anyone see anything under the armor. You're putting up a shield. You're, you, you know, you have things running through your mind. Like, I can't say that because then they might think this. I can't do that because then they might think this. I can't be that because then I might lose this or they might think this, right? So it's very much an armor where you don't want anyone to see. So it's the opposite of the transparency that you, that you talk about. Very much. And what people don't understand in business is that the leader has to go first, right? Like if you're a leader of your company, you have to be the first person to be vulnerable. Right. Because if you're not vulnerable, no one's going to be vulnerable. So how does that show up in, in business? Does it mean that you, you know, tell all your personal secrets that you don't want anyone to know? No. Absolutely freaking not. No. <laughs> right? That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We've talked about sun shining, sun shining your mistakes. You want to right? explain what that is? I'll explain it again. Love the idea of sun shining your mistakes. It means that you're coming to the table with, whew, boy, I really messed that one up. 
made a big mistake, made a big, made a big misjudgment, but you're, you're shedding the light, you're shining the light on a mistake that you've made so that you can model how other people in your company can do that as well. So I make a mistake. I bring it to the table like, wow, I'm, I made this mistake. If, if I, it affected anybody negatively, I'll apologize to that person that negatively affected. I'll say, my format is this. I sunshine my mistake, so I speak what my mistake was. I don't call myself stupid. I don't say that I don't know anything. I don't, you know, yeah, it's not self-flagellate. About, right, it's, exactly. wow, that was a big mistake. Like, didn't see that one coming. And this is how that mistake was made. So this is what I overlooked, or this is, this is what caused that mistake. And then this is what I'm going to do different going forward to make sure this mistake doesn't happen again, right? That's yep. really the format for sunshining your mistake. It's not, and a lot of people, a lot of people get this wrong. It's not saying, I made this mistake. Oh my God, I'm so dumb. You know, I can't believe I did this. You're not, it's not about you beating yourself up over yeah. the mistake. It's A, I'm modeling that I'm taking responsibility for my mistake, which is vulnerable in and of itself. because. Most people is not are not okay with making mistakes. Right. This is about lifting your self esteem up, not this about, about tearing it down. Correct. Not making your list less than anybody right. else. This actually makes you. This lifts the whole team up. You it lifts everybody up to yes. a higher a yes. higher level. Yes. This is why the mistake was made, or this is how it was made, and this is what I'm I learned so that it's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And then apologize to everybody to anyone that that it may have negatively impacted, right? So 100% taking personal responsibility, which is also very vulnerable. It's vulnerable to take personal responsibility. Very vulnerable. Because you admit that you did something, you made a mistake, right? I'm not even going to say right. you, you did something wrong because it's not like you intentionally did something wrong. Mistakes, mistakes happen. It's just an error, right? So that's vulnerability piece number one. The second place that I see business owners really get tripped up is, um, well, I mean, we just did I, we did the, um, a workshop with some seven-figure business owners, and I asked them a question. I said, all right, let's, let's be real here. How many of you are currently tolerating an employee that is underperforming, that you've had multiple conversations with, but you're just tolerating them? You know that you need to make a change and you're tolerating them. And three-fourths of the room raised their hand, yep. right? And I said, all right, well, let's hear, let's hear the excuses. Why are you tolerating this employee? So the excuses were, I'm afraid of what my team is going to think. I'm afraid I'm making a mistake and I'm a bad person. I feel responsible for this person because, and you can name any, any, any of like, they have a health issue. They have a child with a health issue. They have a, a spouse yeah. with a health, like going through they're, a divorce, they're going through a divorce. They're on hard times. So they're taking personal responsibility for their employee. Um, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to find someone to replace them. I'm afraid I'm not a good enough leader and that's why I'm having a problem with this person. Or I've never actually had the hard conversation because I don't I don't want to have the hard conversation. I'm afraid of conflict, right? These are these are seven-figure business owners. These aren't people that are just starting that haven't been in business for very long. These are business owners that some of them have been in business for 10, 12 yeah, years. They've got some accomplishment right? behind them, experience. And and this whole this whole question that I asked, hey, I was I was a little I wasn't surprised because this is this is a big problem with most people that that manage teams, right? They got into business because they love what they do, and they've never really 
been trained on how to manage people or, or how to have difficult conversations or how to set up the system so that you don't have to have those difficult conversations. Right. Um, but when you dig down to the underbelly of every single one of those excuses, it's vulnerability. 100% it's like, I'm going to, if I, if I have this hard conversation or if I, if I let this person go, I'm going to be vulnerable. And I think the interesting thing is, is that when most people hear vulnerable, they hear weak. 100%. Right. I'm going to be weak. And the reason why I keep calling back to Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, is that she actually did a study on vulnerability and asked Thousands of people, their thoughts, feelings about vulnerability, gathered tons of evidence. And there's no evidence to support that vulnerability is actually weak. Actually, there's evidence to suggest the opposite, that vulnerability is courageous. So it's a complete flip in how people understand vulnerability. Most people think, ooh, if I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. But really it's, if I'm willing to make myself vulnerable, I'm actually courageous. Yep. I'm courageous enough to have this difficult conversation. I'm courageous enough to act in the best interest of my company. Courageous how? Because I'm willing to face opening up myself to vulnerability, to whatever happens, and I'm choosing courage over the fear of actually being vulnerable in the first place. Is mm -hmm. this making sense? Absolutely makes sense. It's such a great book. There's so many, there's so many great um, uh, analogies, you know, like she, she asked the question, you know, what's in the cave that you're afraid to enter. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause yeah. you know, that's a, that's an old analogy. It's like an old analogy. what's in the cave you're right. afraid to enter. But when you look at how this shows up in your business, you know, hiring and firing team management, it's, Vulnerability is everywhere. And here's the thing. As a leader, if you're not willing to be vulnerable first, if you're not willing to show your team that you're courageous enough to make difficult decisions and to have difficult conversations, they're not going to respect you. They're not going to trust you. And those things are all really required to build an A, like the best team. Well, check this out. Yes. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. When I first started the company, and you, I mean, you've heard me tell my origin story a million, a gazillion, a gazillion times. times. Yeah, more right? than a million, yes. Okay. So that's a very vulnerable story to tell, right? Of all the different things that I made, mistakes that I made and, and all of this. There was somebody that came up to me in the very early days and said, you don't get to make money off your mistakes. Somebody said that to you? Somebody said that to me. And they were angry as Oh my God. I don't think you I've don't, ever heard this yeah, story I before. I, I'm not, I, so I was thinking like, I don't know if I've ever told you this uh -uh, or not. I don't think so. Yes. It was a, it was a major point of contention and, uh, the person heard me tell the story. Uh, they also knew me from that time outside of business and they were extraordinarily angry that I told this story and they were, and, and that's what they said to me. Like you don't get, you don't get to win off of a mistake. A mistake is a fuck up. You, you fucked up. You blew it. I'm like, yeah, I know I did. I absolutely did. And I turned it around. I'm like, it's not, I'm not sitting here trying to glorify my mistake. I'm trying to explain, here's where I was. Here's the errors that I made. Here's the things that I did wrong. And here's how I changed those things by owning those mistakes in order to turn them around. And they came from this place like, 
This mistake is something you have to pay for for the rest of your life from an emotional perspective. The shame thing that, oh, that's that Brene talks shame about. shame and guilt. It is. It is. But what was interesting about that was that as, as I began to go through my career and work with people, I found that there was a thread that kind of ran through that with families. You know, you always have that one person in the family is going to be the first one that steps out and they're going to do something different. But in order to do that, they have to break that unspoken bond about not being vulnerable, not releasing family stories, don't talk out of school type of a thing. And yet it is, it is the vulnerability of that a person willing to be real enough to step out and actually change the direction of their life that makes all the difference. That vulnerability gives them the strength and the courage to actually move. But what was fascinating about it was how many people actually got angry around the idea that there was one person that was going to take the shame of the family or whatever and actually turn it into a power moment uh, where they could, they could own the mistake, they could be transparent with that mistake, and they could use it as leverage to be able to move to be able to move their life forward. And, and the way that you're talking about this, I see that in the leadership aspect of what you're saying, you're, you, are, you are that pivot point for that team to be able to do that because you're doing that, right? And they can leverage, they could leverage that experience they're having with you because you're being vulnerable to strengthen themselves, to give themselves the courage to now be vulnerable in yes. these situations. It's an interesting thing. Yes. The other place this shows up is in hiring. So we'll have, you know, many of our private clients have been resistant to hiring, even though logically they can see how hiring can take their business to the next level, right? They're either at max capacity um, or they're close to max capacity. So they're actually turning business away, right? Either they're conscious of turning business away or they're so overwhelmed that they're just like, you know, happy when new business doesn't come through the door. Um, because they, they, they are worried about what a new hire is going to think of how they're running the business and how they've organized the business and how they're managing the business. Um, one big example was, um, we had a, a, a client who desperately needed, and I think I've actually told this story before on a podcast, but she really desperately needed an executive assistant. And I find people are so resistant to hiring executive assistants. They are. And I think it's for this reason, right? Like um, it's probably one of the most valuable positions that you could hire for, especially if you're kind of in the beginning stages, but sure. it should be one of the very first positions that you hire for an executive assistant to take all the like $10, $15, $20 tasks off your plate so that you can focus on income generating activity, right? Correct. You have yeah. the non-income generating activity and then you have the income generating activity. Right. And your focus should be on the income generating activity. An executive assistant's focus should be on non-income generating activity, including managing your inbox, which if any of you are still managing your own inbox, please, please stop managing your own inbox. <laughs> it is such a time suck. It's, there's an easy strategy out there to, to, to show you exactly how to delegate it. But the idea behind this was that we had a conversation with her and I remember specifically saying, you can see how you can't grow your business without this executive assistant, right? Yes. Okay. So like, are, are you going to hire an executive assistant? Well, I feel like I need to, you know, get ready. And I was like, get ready. How do you get ready to hire an executive assistant? You, you know, you 
create a job description. I actually had a template that I sent to her and like, just use this template and copy and paste what works for you and what doesn't and get it out on job posting sites. And she's like, well, I don't have my shit together was what she said. I don't have my shit together. And I'm like, exactly. That's why you need an executive assistant because you're an executive assistant. Their talent is helping you get your shit together. (laughs) She's like, no, but I feel like I need to have it together ahead of time. And I'm like, really? Wow. Why would you say that? And she's like, well, I don't want them to think that I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm doing or that I'm, I'm stupid. And I'm like, your talent is not like, what? And it all came down to, she was worried about what, what this executive assistant is going to think about how she set up her business and how she's, how she's running things. And it all went back to vulnerability. Right. So you're placing, she's projecting these beliefs. She's projecting her fears on this person whose sole responsibility is to come in and fix all these problems and create systems and to organize, right? Yeah. The idea of imposter syndrome in people's minds, like they're not good enough to be in this position. They don't want anybody to know about it. It's, It's crazy how big it is. Oh, it's a huge problem. Talk about imposter syndrome for a minute. Well, you know, it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon because you hit, on one hand, you've got somebody that's trying to step out and actually better themselves and do something. They want to move into an achievement of some kind, and they're really working at doing that. But there's this internal voice or self-identification within their, within their own uh, self-esteem that says that they're, just not, they're not good enough. You are not good enough to be able to do this. And they're afraid that other people are going to see that that they're not good enough and then that they won't work with them or they won't buy from them or they'll judge them or they won't be able somehow or another it'll stop them from being as successful as they want to be. And it's, it's kind of crazy because it's almost like in the person's mind, they think if I can just get to this place, then I won't have to hide this anymore because people will see that I'm successful. And if they see that I'm successful, they won't see this other thing that's going on inside of me. And it's like a catch 22 because they can't get there without being vulnerable and letting that side out so that, like you said, so that they can hire an executive assistant or whatever other team that they're building, but at the same time, they don't want them to know. So they're, so then they respond like they responded to you. Like, I've got to get ready, right? <laughs> it's like, I need to clean my house before the housekeeper comes yes. to clean the house because I don't concept. want them to see how dirty the house is. Same concept, right? Yeah, but it all sure. goes back to, it all goes back to vulnerability. Yeah. Um. And there's lots of different ways that you can model vulnerability to your team once you've once you've hired a team. And we talked about this in the the podcast on on psychological safety, right? Where yeah. I, I you know, I, I can't stop saying this enough. As the leader, you have to go first. You have to be the first one to be be vulnerable. You have to be the person to pop into your team member's office and say, Hey, how was your weekend? Right? You have to be the person to 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 ask the the tough questions. You have to be the person to share the the painful things. You you know like if you can do that, if you can allow yourself to be that person, it's amazing the impact that it has on everyone around you because then they suddenly feel safe to be able to do that as well. You can't innovate without vulnerability because you have to make mistakes to innovate. Right. You have to have bad ideas to innovate. And if you've got a bunch of people who all they care about is the safety of their job, they're just going to agree with every single thing that you say. That's right. That's right. There's another thing that happens here that I think that's important is that's the unspoken rule or the unspoken problem. You think about it when, when most of us were children, 
we we experienced our parents in various different ways and one of the things that we experienced was we could read we got to the point where we could read them very well so we could tell by a tone of voice or a look in, the, in their face or their eyes or the way that they walked through a room if something was wrong and you knew not to ask for something yeah or you you <laughs> and, and a lot of times you would self-internalize like am i in trouble what did i do did i do something are they pissed at me and it has nothing to do with you but that's the way you're reading it and very often people will take that into when they go to work for somebody and they're doing the same thing with the CEO. They're doing the same thing with the manager. They're doing the same thing with the owner. They're constantly have running this radar. Uh, how do they look? What are they looking at? How are they walking through a room? What's their tone of voice? Am I safe? Am I doing something wrong? Did I? And when, you, when you're vulnerable like you're talking about, I think you remove that fear because I think psychologically we then go, oh, if there's a problem, this person's going to say something. I don't have to worry about them not telling me and something building up. Or I create a story in my mind and I'm going to start running this crazy story in my mind that I did something wrong because my boss has this weird look on their on their face or and I don't know what it is because I didn't ask, like, are you okay? Is everything all right? You look distressed about something. I didn't ask. I'm just going to sit in my office and I am going to perpetuate this story in my head that I've done something terribly wrong and my job's on the line and I'm, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get divorced. Like they run it right through the mill. Yes. Down the rabbit hole. Down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there have been times when, I mean, I've, I sunshine on my mistakes a lot because we make a lot of mistakes here. Um, and that's how, that's how we know what to do by making mistakes. Right. right. But I think the other thing, you know, when you're talking about like making assumptions, you know, something happened on a zoom meeting, uh, a couple months ago. So our whole team was on a zoom meeting and it was, I think it was, we were meeting about the upcoming event and going through like logistics and stuff. So there were like eight of us on, on zoom and one person was our director, our director of ops was running the meeting. And she was, you know, running it. And I was on my computer and everybody was on video. And something came across my screen, like one of those notifications. Sure. It was like a text from, I don't know, it was from one of my kids or something. And it was my, I, I reacted to the text. She saw my reaction and thought that I was reacting to something that she said. <laughs> now, this is a growth moment because she actually stopped the meeting and said, Steph, I just saw your reaction. Was that something that I said? And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I reacted. I'm so sorry. No, it was this, you know, ridiculous text that came across my, the top of my screen while I'm on Zoom with you. I promise I'm paying attention, but it just like, yeah. I reacted to it. And she's like, oh, thank goodness. I'm so glad I asked. That wouldn't happen if it wasn't, if your team members didn't feel comfortable being vulnerable with you. That's true. That's hundred percent accurate. They, they would assume that your that your reaction was something around them. They would create a story in their mind about what it meant, and then and it would affect their performance. It would affect their performance. Yeah. So that's like one teeny little like example of how this shows up right. on a day to day basis when you're when you're leading and managing a team. Yeah, and you're one of those individuals where you don't wear it on. You don't hide it well. Like whatever it is that's going on, like you, your face changes. It's very zero expressive. Poker face. You have zero you poker face. It's absolutely zero. zero. Poker face. If something's going on, everybody in the room knows that there's yeah. something going on. Yeah. So, but knowing you, everybody also knows they could say, "Hey, what's going on?" Nobody immediately goes to, "It's my fault." Well, maybe Brandon does. I don't know if he 
Do you go? Are you past that now? <laughs> no, or is she your fault? No. No. Occasionally, I, I I do keep an eye on her facial expressions, and I will make up a story and not call <laughs> yeah. her out on it because yeah. I'll be the one sitting there I thinking to it. myself, "What did she just say that had me?" Like I see her reactions; it's just hilarious. Yeah. And, I mean, in Zoom, I only look at myself. Let's be honest. Right. Like, that's that's yeah. the view. Well, I'm you're a gorgeous at. man. I am. You I'm trying to look man. at how my hair looks. I mean, it's all about the image. It's all about that. But yeah, it's it's quite interesting that she shared that story because she does that so well. And I can usually pick up when something's going on with her just by the way she wears it on her face. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I keep telling, I keep telling myself I need to like hire a poker face coach. <laughs> a poker face coach. <laughs> and, well, then it's, I, and then it's to Vegas. It is. Then, then we go to Vegas. Then right? we go to Vegas. Yeah. Then we'd yeah, definitely start playing poker. Yeah. But, <laughs> but to the point that you were making, I think that that's a, that that's a really relevant point. The fact that the team member was actually able to say something and felt safe enough to say something and vulnerable enough to say something in front of the entire group of individuals just to make sure before they run, run a story right. in their mind. And that's, uh, you know, another, so I want to ask you a question. Tell me what really you think proud about moment, actually. What's that? It was a proud moment when she did that. It was a proud moment. I was really like thrilled. I think yeah. it should be. What about when someone, when you have, cause here's something that we, here's something that we've seen where the leader has not yet learned this vulnerability piece, but they are, they're, they're actually getting angry because they're assuming that the team should know what their expectations are. Oh, that's a huge problem. Could you talk about your experience with that? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, my personal experience or working with, either, with either our one. clients. I think more with the clients. Oh, I mean, I've had so many, I've had so many conversations with um, our clients that will, They'll open the conversation with, I'm so frustrated with my team. I just want to burn it all down, right? Because you right. get to that point. You can't figure out what you're doing wrong or what's not going right or, or you just feel lost because you just don't know and you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, I think m many people have felt that in, in, in a leadership position, right? I was on the phone with, with um, one of our clients and he was telling me how frustrated he was. And I said, well, hold on a second. I'm like, does everyone on your team in their role know what their expectations are? And there was this like long pregnant pause. <laughs> and I was like, so that's a no then. That's a no then. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, I mean, you know, I hired them and we talked through their roles and responsibilities. And I said, yeah, but do they know, do they know what your expectations are? And he said, you know, I don't, I don't honestly know that they do. And I said, can you think of what would happen if they did know what your expectations were? Do you think you would still be as frustrated? And he was like, I've never thought about this before. So many people hire, give them, give their, their team members, their roles and responsibilities a list. Yeah. Like these are the tasks that you're going to be responsible for. And then they just expect everyone to just know what their expectation is. I saw um, I saw Layla Hermosi do a YouTube video. I, I just I'm I, I can't get enough of this stuff, right? Like I'm right. Just, I'm just a leadership sponge, and she had this great example of you know when you tell someone to make their bed, they make the bed the way that they know how to make the bed, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. one expectation. I, I need you to make the bed. A different expectation is I need you to make the bed like you would find it in a five star exclusive resort. Now people know what you expect, right? You could have been expecting that luxury resort bed and they could have just made the bed thinking that they did a perfectly fine job. 
but because you weren't explicit in the expectations, you're making impossible you're making it impossible for them to hit those expectations. Yeah. So your entire relationship is based on assumptions. They're assuming what it is that you want. You're assuming they know what it is that you want, and neither of you win. It's a huge problem yeah. in organizations that don't have and this this goes beyond KPIs. Oh, right? totally. This this goes this is more like measures of success. I know I'm successful when when and it also goes into culture. Mm. Cuz culture is really about how you do the things in your business. Yep. And without that company culture, again, you're leaving so much to assumption. Everything. And what do they say about assumptions? You make an ass out of you and me. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You make an ass out of you and me. Make an ass out right. Of you so me. yeah, that's a huge problem. Interesting that you brought that up. Um, I probably have that conversation once or twice a week with with some of our clients. Like, yep. do does everyone know what you're expecting? I know that you're disappointed in what they're doing, but is that because you're not communicating what your expectations are? You're not giving them the opportunity to meet those expectations because you're not actually communicating those expectations. Right. And generally, I mean, it's, it's a conversation. It doesn't have to be like a three-hour process where you have to remind them every five seconds. Right. Normally, people just want to know, like, what are my expectations? Yeah, and the, 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 that's the reason I brought it up because it happens so much, even to the point where a person will say, I think I need to let this person go. And they don't realize they haven't communicated what, exactly what the expectation is. And they're just assuming that the person can't do whatever it is that they were hired to do. You know, I've seen people, we've seen people go through people because of that problem. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a big problem. And it's also very vulnerable to, to communicate your expectations. It is. Because what are people going to think of your expectations? That's right. What are they going to think of them? He's too demanding. He's greedy. He's this, he's that. No, they just want to know what you expect. So being in business is rife with, with vulnerability. It's such an important piece that people just don't talk about. Right. They don't talk about vulnerability in business because the old way of doing business was very top down. It was very, this is what I, this is what you need to do in this role. I don't really care about who you are as a person or what you might be going through or what your own dreams and aspirations are. You've been hired to do this job, click this button, do this thing, do it, or I'll find somebody else. Exactly. That doesn't work anymore in this world. No, we're, we live in a much different time. We have, we live in a time where people have options. They have choices. They have education. There's no longer people. Information is not hid from people anymore, right? So you're dealing with an educated public who has the ability to say, screw off, I can make decisions for myself. I don't need you. I, I don't need to be stuck under the idea that I can only make money in this one thing. There's all different kinds of things that I can do. And if I want to do something different, I can change that also. So people are really looking for where's a place that I'm going to love to be? Where do I, where am I going to love to work? I remember when I first, one of the very first things that jarred my mind back in the, back in the day was when I heard somebody say, you should not only love what you do, but you should work with people that you love. Yes. And I thought, how the hell, you can't put those two things together. That's, <laughs> that's not how it works, right? That isn't how it works. Um, Cause I never had an experience that meant that. You know, a matter of fact, it was usually like loathing, like trying to get go to work and like, don't see me, you know, don't, don't, don't call on me. Um, but today I think we live in this, well, the whole psychology's even changed around it. Right. And, but it is great 
because we have watched people come to work with us and go, I didn't know that it could be this good. I didn't yeah. know it could be this way. Like it's a, you, you'll see where they'll stutter a little bit around the idea. Like, is this true? Is this true? Is this for, is this actually for real? And then when they find out it's real, it's like, damn, that's, this is really cool. Yeah. We get that a lot with our, with our new hires. We do. Like they'll sit down with me and we'll go over like how we do things. We'll go over culture. We'll go over who we are, what we believe in, you know, what our, what our purpose is, what our mission is, all of that stuff. We talk about time off. We talk about, you know, that we care about each person and we want to, we want to know them. And then I usually ask a whole bunch of questions because I'm a question asker. Like, do you have any brothers and sisters? Where did you grow up? You know, what was a, what was a key memory in high school that, that, you know, makes you smile when you think about it, you know, just asking like questions to get to know someone personal, but not too personal, right. obviously. Right. And then I'll hear from one of our team members that they went and asked like, is this for real? Like you guys really, you guys really operate this way? Like. I'm not, I, I can, I can take a Friday off every once in a while if I get all of my yeah. projects. Like they just can't, yeah. they can't fathom that, that, that that's a workplace because they've right. come from, you know, they've come from big box retail or, or some other kind of industry where that's just not. And if you do need to take time off, they guilt you to death over the fact that you had to leave two hours early to go to a doctor's appointment or something. That's what we've been back yeah. in the day where we came from, right? Yeah. And it's like, if you need to do something, go do it. Just make sure your work's done. There's yeah. no, not an issue here. Right. Hey, do yeah. you care if I jump in right here? Uh, no. Perfect. So this is a good time for me to ask, a, I'd like some complimentary coaching, I think, because this is really helpful for me because <laughs> vulnerability, right? Vulnerability uh, is definitely not something that I'm great at. I've been working on it for about the last 45, <laughs> 8, 50 years. Um, but I want to kind of flip the conversation a little bit because you talk such great stuff about leadership. I'd like to just kind of speak directly to the people who are in a team or working with someone, but doesn't have their own business just yet, but they want to make that leap. They want to make that jump. So what can they be doing right now as far as being more vulnerable in their current position to prepare themselves when they do start to go into business for themselves, bring on team members and start to, you know, project that psychological safety you guys speak so highly of? What can a person do right now if they're an employee with the same conversation you've been having? I, I don't know that they can. I mean, there are some workplaces where it's not safe to be vulnerable. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I've worked in, I've worked under some people where if you were vulnerable, that was used against you. Like that could be very, very painful. So I really think it's, it's, you know, if you're an employee and you're in a, in a work environment where you can be vulnerable, I would say, speak your mind more, you know, talk about, talk about yeah. yourself, like create that community. But if you're in a workplace where the leaders aren't vulnerable, you can pretty much assume that it's probably not safe for you to be vulnerable. Not only is, well, well I, I mean, you know the story of the company that I worked for where if the, if the guys made a mistake, the owner would actually tell me, because I was a manager, you need to mess with this person now. You need, make, need to make their life miserable for a period of time. And he would say how long, when, and what needed to be done. And it didn't matter if we broke contractual agreements to do it. That was his viewpoint on that. <coughs> excuse me so so to, to answer your question t i think it really depends on where they're working and how much that's actually tolerated right because if it was already there they'd be getting it to some degree they may actually have i mean they could start doing it within their own personal groups of individuals yeah. you know their families friends they could start actually practicing it there consciously 
but they may actually have to leave the company mm-hmm, sure, sure. In, so, in order to be able to do it safely. And that makes total sense. And as far as uh, like you're, you've been reading to us a little bit and talking to us about Brene Brown and her Dare to Lead book, and we'll link to that below. And people should definitely read that book. It's an outstanding book on Fantastic. vulnerability. Is there anyone else that a person out there who we just mentioned could study to prepare themselves for being more vulnerable? I know that Brene Brown wrote the book on vulnerability, like that's her thing. Is there anybody else you would recommend that, that our people could go and start really practicing this if they don't feel psychologically safe in the current position they are in? I think trust is a good book. I think trust is a good book by Alan Van Zandt. I also think any of Patrick Lencioni's books, um, especially the five dysfunctions of a team, there's vulnerability just written throughout that as a leader because it talks about, you know, it talks about conflict. It talks about trust. It talks about accountability. It talks, I mean, it, it just, there's, there, vulnerability is a thread in every single one of the dysfunctions of a team. People can look at it from, from like, am I being that a dysfunctional team member? Am I showing up the way that I want to show up? And leaders can also look at it in, in terms of, am I being the leader that, that I need to be in that instance? Um, I had another one right on the tip of my tongue and now I can't, well, we can always, now put I can't think of it, but we can put it yeah. in, yeah. and I, and I know you drop always, down. I know you always talk about Reed Hastings and all those sort of books too, that, that come to mind, but this oh, is radical, radical culture, you know, book. Cu- yeah. for, for, in terms of culture, you know, no rules, rules, radical candor yeah. is a great book Generally. on how to just like. Those are the books that are stacked up next to your bed where they could fall on you in a minute. <laughs> yes. You can be buried those. alive. Those are the ones. I've seen those books those, very, very Those are the ones. Often, but so. any book that talks about, you know, just real open um, communication with team. I mean, because you have to be vulnerable to communicate with your team. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but vulnerability helps you out in so many areas of your life. It's not just in your business. It's in your relationships at home, relationships with your with your clients. And I know there's a big discussion about, well, you don't want to give up your, you know, superiority in that position. but even you, I'm sure, are somewhat vulnerable with the people you work with. Maybe not yeah. to the extent that most people would think, right. but yeah. Well, well if, if you, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this is my complimentary coaching think, I'm getting. Well, at. think about this for a second, right? Because this could be a whole nother show topic. If you think about the amount of people that walk around with fear and anxiety, how much of that fear and anxiety is because they're afraid to be vulnerable? They so were raised much. in an abusive or a toxic so much. environment. They don't know how to be. So it's everything. I mean, yeah, for sure. It, you by learning this skill set, you could literally bring calm and peace and joy to yourself every day, where you're not living in that kind of anxiety because of your upbringing. Right. It's and here's the thing, and people are, probably aren't going to want to hear this, but the fear of vulnerability is why people don't pick up the phone and make sales calls. Like, that's right. I that's a hundred percent right. You know, if, if you want to, if you want to go into business for yourself, if you want to, if you want to grow your business, sales are an important part and sales requires you to be vulnerable because in any moment, someone could tell, you no. someone could reject you, even though they're not actually rejecting you. They're just saying no to whatever the offer is, right? That's they could right. hang up on you. They could say, leave me alone. They could, you know, and it's all the difference between the idea of influence versus manipulation. Yes. If you're vulnerable, you can you know how to influence people. Yes. If you don't, if you're hiding things, you're forced to manipulate yes. because you don't know how to lead. You don't know how to draw a person in. Right. Right. Oh, this was good. Such a good conversation. 
Yeah, this was so good. And before we go, I just want to go back and do one just minor correction at the beginning when you had mentioned you were recently on a podcast with, I believe her name was Abby Ashley. Yes, her yes. Her podcast is named the Business Savvy Podcast. Business Savvy And podcast. your episode, I'm sure, will be dropping very shortly. So people should go check that out and definitely uh, give that a listen because I'm sure you were very excellent yeah, we'll promote in that it. conversation. It was such a fun conversation about conflict and yeah. how it's, it's maybe just... Maybe I should listen to that one. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> conflict diverse. <laughs> this is great, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. We hope that you learned something brand new about vulnerability and maybe are going to try to be a little bit more vulnerable in your business. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to make sure you get notified of any additional bonus episodes that we start to put out. And also, if you know a fellow business owner that could benefit from this content, please feel free to share. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.